Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Figuratively Feasting. My name is James Gopp. I'm here with my co-host, Mr. Simeon Mordecai Bittman. Hello. We are sipping on some delicious Hennessy Pure White, something never had before. It's quite delicious, blonde. Uh, you know, it's a little bit of a painkiller, because today's podcast is going to be a little about uh, the the troubles, the trials, the pains that we all go through as cooks, chefs, entrepreneurs. We're talking about mental health and in this glorious industry of the hospitality uh, that, we, that we're in, that we're embedded in. And, you know, where we are in a world today with COVID, how we got here as cooks, and uh, maybe some personal stories along the way to kind of share what's happening. So good evening, Simeon. How are you? I am well, sir. Thank you very much. Yes, thanks for coming out. Absolutely. Thanks yeah. for having me. Yeah, it's good to have you. It's. Uh, I think I look better than you tonight. You for might. For once. You this might. Is amazing. A tie. I, I wasn't expecting it. You yeah. know, it, it's. We actually, truth be told, we took a took a few weeks off mm -hmm. for actually our own mental health because yeah. we were going really fast. There was a lot going on. As, as strange as that sounds, because you know everything is you know, slowed down so much, yeah. but I think it's also the stepping up of trying to figure out like a bunch of different wheels turning, trying to figure out what to do to make things work, trying new things, uh, taking opportunities as they arise, mm. um, and doing it on a very, very limited staff. Mm. And, and, and tonight I can tell you that I'm coming to you really as an exhausted business owner, <laughs> as I think a lot of you folks are, um, you know, whether it's business owners, managers, um, what have you. I mean, it's, it's a skeleton type of crew with a lot of work that needs to get done and trying to make sense of this crazy world that we're in. I mean, right now we're talking about, before we came on the camera tonight, looking at the winter. Winter months are coming. It's yeah. cold. It's very cold. Um, People are going to start going inside. Yeah, absolutely. And what does that look like? You know, I, I'm starting to see some of the regulations, they're loosening up on those. Is that the right thing? Mm. I don't know. Is it safe? I mean, I don't know if I want to go into indoor situation like that with a bunch of other people. And I mean, if, if we're to believe what we're told about this pandemic, this virus, that it, it loves, you know, it, it doesn't like hot weather. So now we're starting to get into the cold weather. And, yeah. and you had just informed me, I mean, because I live underneath a rock, we're starting to see some shutdowns in New York now. Is yeah. that correct? Yeah, that's right. And that could continue to happen. It could accelerate if we all go inside and any cases start happening in, in restaurants from going inside. So it's not looking too optimistic at this very moment in restaurant world anyway. Yeah. Um, I don't know what that means for long term. I think everybody's wondering what that means. And it ranges from like people thinking that the restaurant business is never, ever, ever going to be the same and that everything's going to completely change to, oh, yeah, like a vaccine's going to get developed in January and we're pretty much going to go back to business as usual. Yeah. So who still, who really knows? We're how many months in? I don't even know. Right. And uh, predicting a resurgence. Yeah, yeah. So mental health, got to be something that is being challenged <laughs> right now. Yeah, 100%. I mean, even when you people were allowed to have <clears throat> outdoor seating, you know, that was crazy as it was. Um, yeah. 
I don't, I don't know. So it's something definitely, um, I, I, yeah, <laughs> I, I really don't know. I mean, it, it, there's, there's really no answers. You, you, you know, you want to be cautiously optimistic about stuff. Yeah. Uh, but what does it look like? You know, how, how do restaurants, what is it? Like, what, how, how do they, I mean, I guess maybe looking into more takeout. We were talking about this, too. I mean, in this area, it's kind of crazy growing up. I mean, not that we're a huge metropolitan area here in Great Barrington at no. all, but there's very limited takeout. And, you know, a lot of people have started doing more takeout yeah. since this whole thing started, and I think that's great. But again, I think the reason we all go out is to have a sense of being taken care of. Sometimes yeah. you just want to unwind, have a glass of wine, yeah. talk to your friends... Uh, have somebody come and pour wine, cook the food for you, obviously. Yeah. I mean, as easy as all these, you know, takeaway food situations are, like uh, Hello Fresh or Blue Apron or whatever, yeah. you still got to put the work in. As easy as it is, you still have to do it, and you still got to do the dishes. Yeah, totally. I, my own instinct, and I'm happy to be called on this, says that it is that desire to be taken care of, to eat out, to be in an environment where there's at least some other folks <laughs> six feet away, but other folks there um, to order some food, to experience the flavors of food from somebody else's heart, from somebody else's mind. Sure. Uh, that whole feeling um, that we've grown up with since we were kids that was so special to go out. Yeah. I think that that desire is going to... Um, it's going to supersede our fears. We're gonna, I think we're gonna be biased towards wanting that so much that we're gonna go inside when it's time to go inside at the risk. I also think though that restaurants are gonna be prepared for going inside. I think that it's gonna be thought through. It's gonna have to be because these restaurants are gonna be watched. And if there's anything amiss, they'll either get shut down, closed, or whatever. Yeah. Or patrons themselves are going to demonize these places that are not following every tiny little protocol right. so that they feel comfortable. Right. My fear is that people start opening up, they get a little lax. Because, you know, if you're doing everything you're supposed to be doing and nothing's happening... I think we all know this, you know, yeah, especially yeah. just as employees. Like, I remember starting off doing dishes or whatever as, like, a punk, a young punk. Yeah. And, <laughs> you know, not doing everything I was supposed to do. I mean, I talked to Steve down at the Prairie Whale. He was telling me way back in the day. Did you ever meet him, Steve Browning? No. Really nice guy. Huh. Like, super nice dude. Really like him a lot. He was telling me uh, back in his days as a, a dishwasher, <clears throat> he just had the hand sprayer, right? And, like, that was his version of clean. He just was, like, going to hose stuff off and then considered that was it. And the <laughs> oh. chef came in. He's like, what the F are you doing? Yeah. What are you doing? You know? So, so speaking to you have maybe some employee there who doesn't really understand stuff. They let stuff start to slide. They're supposed to be um, sanitizing everything. Yeah, man. And they're a, not. It's a really good point. Then all of a sudden, stuff starts to – and it doesn't take a lot either, right? Yeah. I mean, it's like you have one outbreak in one restaurant one night. You can have 15 people infected. Yeah. Times that by three restaurants in a small town. Now you're looking at a real serious problem. Yeah, it's terrifying, dude. It's definitely terrifying. I personally am not going to be going out anytime soon. I went out this past weekend for the first time since March. Oh. I went to a place. 
Um, Where'd you go? And we sat outside. I went to the new pizza place in Lenox, Boema. Oh. Huh. Yeah. I, you were telling me about that. I heard that they were going to be opening up. Outside, you know, it was fine. There weren't a lot of people eating. So we Whereabouts? I'm sorry to interrupt. Whereabouts location-wise? Where, where's the real estate area? Right next to the mobile on the corner of uh, Franklin Street and is Main it Street prime? there. Is Prime? Where Prime used to be or is? No, it's next to Frankie's. Uh, oh, okay. Okay. Which yeah. is on the Main Street there. Yeah, okay. It used to be a grocery store forever since I was a kid. Huh. It was sort of like a packy, like a package store. Oh, really? Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Sorry to interrupt. Go ahead. Um, totally renovated freaking beautiful huh and a whole really awesome space in the back a barn and like bocce ball and stuff really it's like open barn for even more seating like a whole other building that's, that's all rigged up with wi-fi turntable in there what a ballsy thing to open a new Seriously. business in the middle of a pandemic i mean that's I they're not know. the only ones like i heard some other places too hmm. just people going for it anyway which is also just another feeling of like, I think there's still activity happening. Right. You know, we'll see <clears> what <throat> happens, but that place was slammed by the time we left. Wow. Take out, like they were running out stacks of pizzas. Wow. How was the pizza? And there were people, it was delicious. Really? Honestly, yeah. man, I haven't had a pizza like that around here. Really? Like... Did you get a look at the oven? Is it like really? just like a stack type of oven, or is it a wood-fired oven? Wood-fired, beautiful oven. Come on, really? Yeah. Really? It says Boema on the front. So like Crafted probably had it... Copper, like out in, outside, you know? It but was it, like wow. nice. So it's, in, it's built indoors? <clears throat> wow. The crust was like fluffy, like crunchy, but like a pillow on the inside. Wow. And the, the, the crust was like thin... Wow. Fresh moths, good ingredients, good pizzas, man. Yeah, and what, what are they trying to do? Are they trying to do like a bunch of different, you know, uh, toppings and Freaking stuff? two chefs, man, and, and talking about restaurants. This is it. We're supposed to be talking about mental health. We're going well, to be talking this about is. this new place. Pizza is a feel-good food. It's good for the brain. Yeah, So uh, I, that's I, true. Yeah. So are they trying to do a ton of different toppings and things or what? I didn't. I don't remember recall seeing a like build your own. To be honest with you, no. I mean, like they you know, had so some custom pizzas. Okay, that's yeah, that's that were question. appetizing. But okay. then they still had like the classic margarita. Yeah. They had a puttanesca that was freaking good. Yeah. Oh like really good anchovies. Yeah. It was really good. They had like a mushroom with truffle on it. Really. Um, Damn. It was freaking good. And then they just had like straight up cheese pizza. That's what the kids got. Yeah. Unbelievable. Even well, those were just good. Well, that's great. So, yeah, I'll have to definitely check that out then. Mm -hmm. That's really great. That's exciting. Yeah. You know, it's funny. It's one of those kinds of things like, you know, you can always, I don't know. I don't, I don't necessarily know if it, you, you need more pizza, but like good pizza. You good know, pizza. good pizza is really good. Totally. And people will come for that. Yeah. So, definitely. Yeah. And it was hopping. Yeah, that's great. Good for them. And may it continue to be. Because I can't even imagine what that must be like. I mean, you know, we kind of touched upon this, I think, a few podcasts ago. <clears throat> I know of a former client that was renovating, um, you know, this huge restaurant. And you were talking about how we, we, uh, you had reached out to a former employee 
and uh, said he, he hadn't stopped working. Now, I don't know if that place had been open this entire time. I was under the assumption that it was going through a full renovation and they were going to expand, like reopen, but maybe he's either working there or they know they have different locations too. So. Uh, that's a good question. Yeah. I don't know. <clears throat> but anyhow, it's, um, I can't imagine. Crazy. So. Yeah. It's just, an, it's such a weird time. Yeah, there's really, there are a lot of closures. A lot, a lot of closures. Of restaurants are closing. I wonder why that is. It. In the Berkshires, I don't. There aren't very many that haven't made it the, of the restaurants that are notable. Uh, I think everybody's still here. Yeah, I don't know. So this new restaurant opened up, Marjoram and Rue. Yeah. Up in the top of yeah. Railroad Street, but I don't. I think they took over the former space that H. R. Zeppelin was in, the chocolate place. I'm not sure if they're still there I'm or if they sure maybe if relocated it was that or if it's Martin's. So, but well, Martin's is so the whole that whole block after that fire, it all got reworked. Right. And I, my, to my, I mean, my recollection there, that's where H.R. Zeppelin was in the old Martin's space. Oh, so I think I don't know. I, I mean, but based off the pictures that I saw, it looks like they moved into that space. And I don't know if H.R. Zeppelin was, is uh, was still uh, there, or whatever, because right next to them is Moon Cloud. Right. And then next to them, I think is like. Um, Oh Christ! I can't remember. It's like, sort of like this cool, funky clothing shop. Yeah. Right. So there's a lot of cool things happening on that end of the street. Mooncloud, I think, made it. Yeah. Know. No, they're definitely. So they've I like totally gone the... into like barbecue. Oh mode. really? This amazing, like huge smoker, out behind the property, like right by the train tracks. That's and Billy, awesome. do you know Billy? Billy yeah. Paul? But Billy's just been rocking that. So huh. that's really cool because I would imagine a place like that, cocktail bar. I don't even know how they were doing it to begin with. Like, you know, if they had some charcuterie and smaller things, you and I went there. We, we yeah, indulged yeah. in some of their, you know, uh, their offerings. Delicious. Yeah. But. Amazing. Yeah, cocktail. it's cool that they've been doing that whole barbecue situation because that totally expands their offerings. And mm. I, I haven't, haven't been there. But, again, also, it's because I'm a little bit weary about Me that too, whole man. situation. Because, you know, even people are supposed to be, you know, they've, they've done a really great job at the back of Railroad Street. Have you been, or it's kind of like the parking lot back by the Triplex and Great Barrington. Have yeah. you been back there? So they did a really nice job of kind of taking all those parking spots, putting in seating out there. Mm. So you have, like, La Fiesta, which is there, and then this place called Steam. Have you yeah, been to Steam? I've been to Steam. The point is what I was saying is I'm still a little skeptical about going out because, pe you, pe you know, the, the rules state. You come in, you got your masks on, you sit down, you yeah. take your masks off. Yeah. I see people up walking around without masks on. Yeah. And that's a little odd. You know, when we do these events, we just did an event <clears throat> this past weekend, and everyone, ate, everyone was quarantined and yeah. COVID tested because the two brides were, um, oh, well, rather one was a doctor. But uh -huh. made sure that everybody got COVID tested beforehand. Yeah, right. And it's a small group of people and whatever else, so they know everybody. Yeah, yeah, that's weird, man, that people are not doing the mask thing. But I, I just don't even know. I, it's one of those kinds of things. I wonder if it's, I don't, don't even necessarily know if it's intentional. I almost wonder if it's like muscle memory. It's like not thinking. Yeah, they, they just had a few drinks. And they go to get up, and they're feeling good. But they're then talking that's why a server, somebody needs to be right there to be like, uh... Excuse me, sir. Can you please make sure you've got your mask on when you're yeah. standing up? That's also an interesting thing, as I mentioned to you earlier, is like I'm going into these stores and it's driving me friggin' nuts, dude. Like I don't like wearing the mask, but I'm doing it because it's I'm gonna be in a store for 15 minutes max, right? And it's for the safety of everyone else and myself, right? But it's like you know I've I've gone into several locations and I've actually questioned the employees about the stuff. There's a gas station right down the road from here, a big gas station, and you go in there and there's people just walking around flagrantly not wearing masks, and it's like, 
I said to them, you know, it's all all on the signs, all on doors. You used to be wearing a mask yeah. during this whole thing. And they're not allowed to say anything to people. Or they can come up and, and offer them a mask. And if they deny it, whether it's health uh, reasons or just because they don't want to wear one, they're not allowed to push the issue. Right. Now, I've been in some gas stations where I see people, they come and say, oh, excuse me, sir, you need a mask to be in here. Yeah. And they turn around. Mm -hmm. So... You know, that's, it, it, it's, I don't understand, I guess it's, they say it's out of the protect, to protect their employees, I guess, from somebody going off on them. But if we're going to do it, we got to, we got to do it yeah. and just be done with it. I mean, as we talk about now, you know, the president of the United States has COVID and then how that whole spreads. It's like, you know, I was listening to a, um, a Stephen Colbert, uh, episode of his, one of his, like, like the late show, mm -hmm. I guess. And, um. It's of national security importance that the president keeps himself safe because if he gets it somehow, then he's involved with everyone else, the vice president, all these people together, all of a sudden before you know it, the entire uh, government is completely screwed. Now, whether you believe that it's a mild cold or whatever, people don't perform to the way they should be when they're sick. If you just have the common flu, I don't make good decisions when I'm sick. Yeah. No one does. So even if you just chalk it up to that, yeah. I mean, we're talking about a national crisis here, mm -hmm. so it's incredibly frustrating. And, but then also, just, I mean, for, honestly, to be completely honest, going back to mental health, like, for me, when I go into these areas, I actually, and I shouldn't even, I, I, don't, I don't condone or really promote this behavior, but I ended up having, I ended up confronting someone the yeah. other day in a uh, local store. I saw them in the aisle, and I said, hey, bro, where's your mask? And he's like... Why don't you mind your own business? And I was like, be, you know, because you're putting everyone in danger by not wearing this mask right now. You're being selfish. And it just, anyways, the back and forth. And I ended up walking away from the guy. Mm. But it, it, it put me in a tone. And yeah. then the next store I went into, because I was getting chicken food, the next store I went into, every person I saw not going down the right aisle, it was like I was having an anxiety attack. It's like, I, get me out of here because I just got, <laughs> we're talking about grown adults here that, oh, you don't want to be a sheep or whatever, but it's just like, if you go to the store and there's stuff that's easy, dude, just follow the arrows. Just follow the arrows, even yeah. if you don't believe it. Yeah. Just, for Christ's sakes, why rebel on something that stupid? Yeah. Or not pay attention. Right. <sighs> yeah. So. No, I get it, man. It's tough. And then it just sets me off. And then I'm just like, a jerk to anyone around me, you know, <laughs> because going to chef mode. Yeah. It's, it's, it's like seeing red. Yeah. It, and it's, it's not, it's not okay, you know, but I guess, I mean, I, I don't know. You say going in a chef mode. Like, I don't know if that's because it's, you know, sort of culture that we are built in as chefs, you know, as uh. I think there's a lot of, I think a lot of people kind of see that that sort of chef life as a, like a badge of honor to be a prick, to have to have ultimate control yeah, over everything, right. and to have to chew people out in front of everyone else just to run them down. You know, if we go, if we take a look way back, and like the kitchen here brigade system, yeah, yeah. Here we go. Now, now we're here we now go. we're getting right. back on track. So, <laughs> um, you know, if you take a look way back on that. I mean, it's such an interesting career path for anyone to want to get into. I mean, like imagine back then, dude. I remember, like, I, I, it must have been, must have been middle school or something. I don't know how I got this piece of information in class, but I remember hearing about cook life in like serving kings and stuff, and that cooks would go literally crazy from carbon monoxide poisoning, <laughs> being down in these basements. Yeah 
with like sucking in coal and smoke and basically poisoning themselves until they were going insane because there was no ventilation or anything. Yeah, I can see that. It's like, that's who would decide to do that? Yeah. I think a lot of them were servants. They were like forced yeah, they, to do they, that. Yeah, they didn't have a choice. But it's really funny because now, flash forward to where we are now, and a big part, I mean, I can only speak on my own behalf, but you know, the way the Food Network, <clears throat> Food and Wine Magazine, lots of Martha Stewart, lots of places have put this position of being a chef on a pedestal. Yeah. And if you take a look at really the bare bones of where it started, it's, it's, it's beginnings and also the lifestyle. I mean... <sighs> It's interesting. It's sort of like this thing. I just had this, this moment of realizing, like when we did this event into the deep in this cave, all the crazy stuff we tried to do. We didn't have to try to do all that stuff on site. Yeah. We could have done a lot of stuff ahead of time, but I was realizing I was going down this weird path that was almost like a challenge. Mm. And there's a weird sense of pride that comes from that to be able to keep stacking up almost this impossible pile of tasks and then to be able to conquer it because... Once you start doing that, you're like, oh, my God, I'm unstoppable. Mm. We're unstoppable, mm. you know? <clears throat> so then I think that sort of ties into the chef lifestyle. It's such, I mean, it, on a piece of paper, the, someone that doesn't understand it and somebody doesn't deeply care about nourishing other people, it's a really odd description that would seem unappealing to many, many people. Mm. You know, not spending time with your friends and family <laughs> during holidays Being or even tiny. regular hours. Yeah, right. And then being in enclosed spaces with extreme heat and fire yeah. and knives, like danger. Yeah, for danger very long hours. Yeah. 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 I can't even imagine. I mean, yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right. I mean, that's what it had to have been. People must have been, yeah, in like indentured servitude or whatever. And it's funny, you know, too, you look back in history at these images of uh, kitchens during those times, and it'll show women who were dressed in like big dresses with a with an apron and like a headpiece, yeah. you know, and the whole kitchen will be these women working and you show they have the reenactments, you know, you see those too. And they all are like smiling and it looks like so amazing and they're doing their thing. I have a feeling it wasn't it wasn't a very pleasant experience most days in those kitchens, man. Yeah, like men or women or anybody in there, I feel like it was rugged and the hours were long and you're sucking up smoke and it was dangerous. Yeah, but so to, to that fact, I wonder, because based off where we are now in a lot of kitchens, I mean, when I was in culinary school, it was kind of ridiculous. We were making puff pastry one day and I remember, you know, we're sitting in this like beautiful kitchen in Chelsea, you know, Manhattan. Yeah. And beautiful city scrape, you know, cityscape views and all this stuff. Yeah. And um, air conditioning, air conditioning, air conditioning. <laughs> like, does that not setting you up for disappointment in your Seriously, life? Right. right. So we were making puff pastry. And then for whatever reason that day, the air conditioning was out. And I had this guy, I think he was hungover or something he, I was working with. And, you know, as anybody that has ever made puff pastry knows, like from scratch, I'll tell you this right out of the gate, just buy it. Because, you know, they do, the, the folks that make it do, do a it real once. good I job. Mean, do it once. Yeah, make do it, it once. So that you understand what goes into it For and sure. how it's made and what a really good puff pastry, like what it takes to get a good puff. Yeah, 100%. You should totally, you know, get it so you can appreciate it. For sure. Be very thoughtful about that. But... 
in the yeah. end, just buy it because people <laughs> do it a lot better and they've got great systems for it. <clears throat> but anyhow, this guy was going so slow. He was like just rolling it out and because he was going so slow and it was so hot. I was watching oh, the no. butter just squeeze out of the patient. I'm like, dude, you got to move faster. Yeah. You got to move faster. <laughs> yeah, but uh, it's, um, it's, it's a funny thing, you know, with, um, with that, that entire lifestyle, you know, and, and then how that became... You know how we were talking about Escoffier kind of came in uh, August Escoffier, kind of like as ever a lot many people consider to be like the godfather of modern like French cuisine. You know to kind of uh, sort of established the Kitchen Brigade. And for those of you who don't know what the Kitchen Brigade is, it's you know when you go out to a restaurant, you're sitting down, you order something off the menu, you get a salad or maybe you order fish and beef and all this other stuff, and everything has to come out. You're expecting with your dining companion to get your fish the same time they're getting their steak or whatever. But there's two different cooking times there. And each kitchen station has different, you know, chef de parties, different areas, that, like different managers of their specific area, and they have to communicate all with each other so they're getting things out at the same time. Yeah. And as the order comes in, you usually have the chef or the chef de cuisine mm-hmm. who reads the ticket off. So everybody's... Every, everyone's lined up, ready to go. Their mm-hmm. system—it's basically like an assembly line. Yeah, and that's who we have to to thank for that, as well as having proper ventilation in kitchens, proper lighting, proper safety types of things, uh, uniforms. Yeah, a whole sense of pride in yeah. being a chef. Overall, right. So mental health, uh, developing a positive image of cooks of ourselves as cooks in kitchens, uh, taking pride in what we do. That's the way that I interpreted the story of Augusta Scoffier, that he, you know, like the way I read about it or the way that chefs told me about it was like, he came in, the kitchens at that time in London and in France were notorious for having the outcasts of society in working in kitchens, Um, and primarily male, I guess, at that time. And he showed up and was like, all right, guys, I'm going to whip you guys into shape. And I'm not going to take any of your shit about it. And we're going to make you look good. We're going to organize you. And we're going to put out some awesome food. And you guys are going to freaking love what you do. You're going to love doing this. Mm -hmm. And I'm going to go to bat to change your image and how the public looks at you. And I'm going to make us be appreciated for what we do. And so... That was a moment that created positive look at ourselves or at cooks were able to maybe change around what they thought about themselves. Maybe they thought they were just a bunch of outcasts and they were just, you know, the low, the lowest rung in society. Right. But suddenly they're treated with some respect by their chef. Their chef was willing to go down on the ship with them. You know, it's like it's like a pirate ship. And right. to make this awesome food and to have super high standards, uncompromising. Right. It's like yeah. really, really good for the industry. I would say 100%. I mean, it's such, such a, I mean, by developing the kitchen brigade system, you start to really see that, you know, how important something as lowly that might be considered as lowly as uh, the dishwasher or a porter would be considered. But without them, <laughs> I mean, I, I think most of us in the cooking industry have, Work tonight with the dishwasher is not there. How fun is it to 
have to run back and forth in between mm-hmm. plating to wash dishes. Uh-huh. Us chefs, we love to dirty dishes, and yeah. it's, you know we we're very good at it. <laughs> you know, so like, and then going down and somebody, you know, they had to get something out of the basement or whatever. I mean, every single part, every single chain in the link, cog in the machine plays such an important piece. And yeah, you know, imagine so. Back in the 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 early days too, before that happened, there was no menus. It was just whatever was in the menu. That's what you got if you came out. Huh. So that's when Escoffier <laughs> was the one who designed all these like intricate, multi-course kind of interesting things. And then, of course, creating a system to make things efficient. Now we all do that in all different forms of business, not just the hospitality industry. Mm. It's all over the place. Mm. I mean. You know, capitalism, that's what capitalism is at, at the core, you mm. know, bigger, cheaper, faster, but most importantly, cheaper mm. to figure out how to make it more efficient, make mm. things run more efficiently, get products cheaper. Mm. Same thing with us and in, in restaurants. You want to decrease the steps, really. I mean, if you're a chef at a station, you really shouldn't have to step anywhere. You should, you're mm. almost like a, it's almost like you don't even have legs. Mm. You're like on a swivel. Everything mm-hmm. should be right here, right around you. And if it's not. Well, you better damn work on it so that it is because when you're getting pounded and that ticket machine's going off, it's very easy to start to see white. And, Hello, or is anyone home? Hello? Yes or no? <laughs> yeah, yeah you know, so it's... That can crack a person. Yeah, but like yeah. being in the weeds. I mean, thinking about like that, what that must have been. And if we didn't have a kitchen brigade system. I mean, yeah. I remember one night when I was working at a local restaurant... Um, you know, it got staffed two people that night because typically it was a dead night. Nobody came in those that night. Oh, so man, it was I a can't dude wait working. To tell you my story. Oh, I can't All wait right. either. Yeah, yeah. Go, so, go, though. so you know, one dude is typically working the cold side, has no experience working, you know, entremet or meats or anything like that. Yeah. All of a sudden, we just get ticket after ticket after ticket. We ended up doing like I think it was 110 that night, just <laughs> two of us, and it's a small kitchen. Yeah. It was at Allium in Great Barrington, and yeah. just running back and forth, and it was just it was insane. Hmm. But I will say, there's nothing more. That's not that's not true because I think a lot of the stuff with heirloom fire is like being able to go through hell with all these people and rely on everyone. Like I've said multiple times, that's a different form of family bonding, brotherhood, sisterhood, family. Um, you know, but working in a restaurant, being having the ability to work next to your next to your uh, fellow chef, and know when they're going to go up on a ticket without them saying, "All right, you're ready to go up on the salmon, or ready to go up on this." You just know they put down that plate. You immediately register. That's a dish that's going with you know with my pork. Yeah. So I whip around, start getting that going, get all the sits set up. You know, they're doing their veg. Boom, they put it down. You're right behind them with the meat. They wipe it down. They garnish. Boom, into the window and yeah. we're on the pass. And it's amazing. That's yeah. such an amazing. Oh, I love that feeling stuff. when there's like that hum of the, the kitchen going right when the you vet. don't even communicate. You yeah. don't have to verbally communicate. There's just there's just a palpable um, energy. Yeah. That's just running through everything. Yeah, man. Oh, there's this dude in my kitchen right now that it's funny. <laughs> I'm just, I'm not going to say, all I'm going to say is there's this dude in my kitchen right now, and uh, there are these moments that I recognize tonight. There are these moments that we frequently have where we don't need to exchange words, and he's just watching everything I'm doing. You know, he's like prep cook slash dishwasher, but he's just watching me. And so he knows to be there. If I swing around and he can tell I'm like looking for the salt and I locate it and I can see it and I see that it's empty, without any words, he'll go to the back room, get the box of salt, refill it and like slide it onto the counter right where my cutting board is. So when I turn around, the salt's sitting there. 
and his back is to me again while he does dishes, you know? Like those kind of moments are like, dude, that's why I'm doing this. Yeah, right. It's like that kind of connection to me feels, and maybe we're, maybe we're making it into more than what it is, man. I don't know. Maybe we're hopeless romantics, but to me, that feels like uh, a camaraderie. That feels like a connection, like a brotherhood. You know? Yeah, absolutely. No, that's I, I, I love that. I mean that and then, you know, I think not when you're not in the food industry, and even Jordan Peterson, I don't know if you know him, he's this um I don't know what you would classify him as. I guess mm. maybe a philosopher or something. He's just a really smart dude. He's got a couple books he's written, he's got a podcast, he's really, really smart. But even he this is the story actually I shared mm. a clip of a Jocko clip with you where he was talking about um lunch bucket. Yeah. Remember that whole thing? Yeah. Excuse me. And then he talked about working in the food industry and very, you know, had he, you know, out of all the other careers he's worked, he's never felt that same sense of camaraderie that he did when he was, you know, when he was in the, the food industry. Yeah. There was something special about that, yeah. you know, and there's something special about, yeah, just getting through seemingly impossible tasks. Yeah. You know, there's sometimes it doesn't take much. You know, when you're in the when you're on the line, it can just take one person kind of screwing up for everything to topple. Yeah. And then you're just basically spending the entire night trying to catch up. Yeah. And how maddening that can be. Yeah. You know, because people aren't taking their <sighs> stuff seriously. So funny. Well, so let me bring this back all back around, taking that talk, thinking about Escoffier, thinking about the story that I was kind of told is it's like these bunch of uh, these rogues, like these renegades in society who are finding themselves in the kitchen working together mm-hmm. and um, <clears throat> folks having, I don't know what it was like back then. Uh, I know that now we like to say, or that we, we definitely know that a lot of folks with issues with mental health, anxiety, depression, um, and the full gamut of things find themselves in this business. And we find ourselves in situations with each other that are really trying and that are really intense and that probably are healing for us. They're probably good for us Mm -hmm. in a a weird, screwed-up way to get into intense situations, to succeed, to come together, to have that wordless kind of flow, to have the camaraderie. To have somebody standing next to you that you know is just batshit crazy, just like you are. Yeah. You know, I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. Yeah, and it's it's interesting. I agree with that, actually. You know, there's a lot of, like, uh, you know, old school homeopathy that Mm. talked about, like, if you had an eye infection, well, you would just pour something in your eye that would irritate it more <laughs> like that that was kind of like it like if you got a burn you'd put more stuff on there to like burn yourself because it was that was the the idea but i think in this case it, it might be somewhat i think to a degree of, of truth you know because there have been so many stressful situations that i found myself in with food related stuff and i think you're right i mean those same people that are willing to dog it out with you whether it's scrubbing 
you know, the back of the stainless steel wall behind the stove at one thirty in the morning while mm. listening to music cranking. Yeah. You know, and uh, the same people that are, are there like helping you come out of the weeds when you're in it or whatever, or just knowing that somebody that's on your team that is just as crazy as you who never tells you no. Yeah. And you're like, yeah, well, what do you think about doing this when most people be like, that's ridiculous. That's no, <laughs> no, I don't, I don't think it's a good idea. You know, when you have someone's like, yeah, absolutely. Let's, let's do it. And let's do it. F- f- you know, 10 times crazier than you thought. Yeah. That's magical. But then yeah. when you lose that, it's sort of like, I don't know. I, I think crazy begets crazy in, in a way. Mm. I think, I think it helps each other. I think you need it. I think when you cross over a certain threshold, um, I think this hospitality industry also um, is conducive for crazy behavior. Mm. You know, I think that, you know, you, it pushes you in certain ways and other places that you wouldn't, you wouldn't necessarily achieve that. And I think you, then when it's almost like when you open this door, you, you can't close it. And I think mm. you need to have a little bit of psychotic people around you. So, you know, you're not alone. If that makes <laughs> sense. I think if you're around too many straight laced people who play things so safe because they haven't broken through that wall or opened that door, it can feel very lonely. I've experienced that before. Like yeah. there are folks who are in kitchens who need things to be like, okay, every day the delivery comes at this exact time. And then I, I'm going to handle that. And then I can move on to make doing my salad prep. And then I move on to doing this. And then service starts at exactly this time. And no orders were going to come in early. And we're not going to, you know. And then service is going to end at this time. And mm-hmm. I'm going to make exactly eight portions of salmon ready to go for my station and that. And, like, it doesn't work out that way. And it's really hard for them can, to like, understand n- yeah, that. Yeah, it almost never works out that way. Yeah. How can it ever? Right. I mean, especially when we're in an industry where, yeah, there are reservations, but when anytime you're accepting walk-ins, yeah, you might get 10 walk-ins, you might get 50 walk-ins. Yeah, and I think it's good, man. It's like the, I, I embrace those moments as challenges for me to be more flexible because I think it's important to just be more flexible as things change. Life is unpredictable. Look at what's going on right now. Who knew that we were going to end up in this sort of weird, dark time Right. With this strange virus just like spreading everywhere that is like we sort of understand what well, we understand a lot more about than we did it back in March, but like we still don't totally fully grasp and where our world is divided between people who think you should wear a mask and people who don't, basically. Right. Yeah, I mean, it's amazing. Yeah, we, we don't really understand it, but one thing that's pretty much unanimous across the board is to wear an effing mask. <laughs> and people still won't do that for some weird sense of pride. Yeah, even or, us right now. Well, no, it's... We, we've got our distance, and I know you're safe. I've been tested recently. We're, we're cool. Yeah. And we should say that all often to yeah. everybody just to reassure them. We've been saying that over and over. We're good. Yeah. Uh, we've worked together in, in environments where we needed to get tested, and that happened quite recently. Yes. I know what your day-to-day is like, and you're not going anywhere risky. Yeah. Neither am I, well, except to fucking loves. All the time. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> loves in some other, uh, yeah, some rowdy Great Barrington place. It's like the Wild West out there. i got to be the sheriff. On, you know? All the time, dude. So, I, mean, I wouldn't dream of it. If somebody's going to be silly, at least you've got your mask on. That's a huge part in keeping yourself safe. Right. That's what I mean. Like this weird place in the world is though. Even when we're told what we should be doing, people don't want to do it. It's, it's such a, it's just bizarre. 
It is. Not, not to not to beat that horse there to death, but I mean, like, I don't even know how we grow as a civilization when something it's just is so the basic. ego, man. It's like so fragile. It's like if it feels attacked in any way, yeah. it's gonna lash out, even in a situation that's life or death. But even you know, it's so interesting. You know, I, I can sort of touch on a few different aspects in my life, but I mean, we've we've talked about working in the line and how crazy things are. I mean, I think, dude, coming out of so coming out of culinary school. I busted my hump yeah. uh, going there, as, as a lot of people do. I'm not looking for any special gold stickers or cookies as or whatever. did I. Probably even too much. I became sort of nervous and anxious a lot of the time. You know, right. Chefs would be like, dude, like, you can... You can chill. You don't so have to the, go like this nuts. Yeah. Right now. Well, so so okay. So so you, you're saying you busted your butt. So then when you got into a real, not a CIA based kitchen, but when you get into a real kitchen, that was not underneath all that sort of guidance and oversight. What was that like for you, having been Dude, like busted your hump? Dude, I rolled up to my first kitchen with my checks on from school. Yeah. Like my jacket. Mm-hmm. I freaking call me cap too or no? I no, but I brought the scarf. Oh. I was going to maybe put the scarf on. And you know where I went to? Yeah. Route 7 Grill, bro. That was right out of school? Yeah. And it was also during school, too. And where like was right so towards the end. Was I there at no. that time? Uh, no, you weren't there. Chris was holding it down. So this was... It was like a transitional time, I think, for that place. Yeah, so I, I, was, so I came in... That was when I had the infamous quote. Yeah, of, about uh, the black pepper. Well, that is actually he made totally made that story up. Well, I just went along with it because I thought it was funny. But what I did say <laughs> was of the salad, like I was on cold and fry. I think uh, I said this is, this station is very bowl heavy. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of bowls on that station because there were like three different sauces. Yeah, three different salads, three different dressings. Yeah. The wings had a number of different sauces that the guests could select from. And so those each needed to have a bowl of their own. Yeah. It was <laughs> Chris like beautiful. I thought that was very funny. That's the first time I've that heard of I said him. that. Yeah. He said that recently to me. He's like, you know, I, I recall you remember saying, <laughs> I remember you saying, this station is very bowl heavy. <laughs> yeah, man. I was like very. I was working also at a catering company in Ancrumdale at that time, and I would do the same thing. I would show up in my checks and my chef jacket, and they were rocking like t-shirts and stuff. And during service, like plate up, we were spreading out plates. There was like, if a plate clanged, I'd be like, too loud, what are you guys doing? Would they say that, addition, would they say that to you in school? Yeah, they school would yell and an internship. In restaurant, like this restaurant that I worked at Where was one of the best you ones. Work the... Uh, it was at Blue Hill, oh. at Stone Barns. Oh, yeah. That's right. You told me that story about what, what was there? Like if a plate even touched. Well, whatever. It's like at that point after that shushing, could you like hear a pin drop? Oh, yeah. Because it must have been like so. Uh-huh. Like when it happens, like nails on a beautiful. chalkboard. I mean, you know, I'm sort of like a mindful meditator kind of guy. I thought it was just amazing because it was just like drop into the present moment. I fucking I loved it so much. Unfortunately, at that time, and this is mental health stuff, my anxiety would kick in so hard when I was working somewhere like that. I would be like, oh my God, this place is the best of the best. I can't believe it. I'm freaking here. I can't believe I'm here. This is unbelievable. I better do good. I hope I don't mess anything up. I got to show them that I'm like a total monster. That, you know, like all this, like my, these voices going on in my head would pull me out 
So I would like literally feel the moments when I was connected and I was like flowing. And I remember the special event chef there, he would just be like, yeah, like I could tell that he feel it, felt it and that he liked me and so he would give me more to do. And then I would slip into the anxiety and I would like mess something up or I would just lose the, the like dance with everybody else on the line while we were plating, you know? Because mm. it would like literally just, it like get, it would get in the way of my ability to dance and flow. Because and you'd be, be like, so jazzed? I would be so, yeah, but it would, I would be so scared of like messing up. Or just so it's so interesting. Like, you're like, you're just like, you're on this. Like, oh my God, path. there's Dan Barber. Holy shit. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like, yeah. It was wow, just like, freak myself out. Like, totally get freaked out. See, I've always felt like when I was like in the zone, whether it was with, to do with sports or, you know, cooking, like, it's like, I've always, I remember like hitting <clears throat> some of my very first times, like hitting my stride where I, every single move I made was. Yeah. absolutely efficient dude. and like you, you, yes. f you feel like you're plugged into an outlet That's where and I you're just like, like dude that was good that was good that was good and it's not even like I'm okaying myself I'm just it's like you tap into a different power yeah. and for me like but I, with, with, with respect to you I never lost like nothing could trip me up yeah man I don't that's think. so so cool because that's how I started too like the first many years that I was in there and yeah. I was doing it that was like when that awoke in me, it, it awoke at the beginning. Yeah. It was like trial by fire and moments at restaurants. And like I was at Jacob's Pillow. And hmm. then before that, I was in Amherst and I was just working the line at this Asian place, like these giant walks and stuff. And I jumped in and I was able to like think and there was pressure and everything was coming out right. And I knew exactly how to like run the tickets and I knew how to work with everybody on the line. And it was like, this is freaking great. I can do this. Like, this is amazing. Like, this is it, because I can unlock that flow, and it felt so good. That's why I thought, like, I want to keep doing this, you yeah, know? Yeah. It was, like, because I have the ability to stay cool, and I actually even come together even more in moments under pressure yeah. than I do in normal life, you know? I was like, this is freaking awesome. Interesting. And it continued that way. Jacob's Pillow was <clears> like, this is it. I can do the dance. And I saw that, like, chefs wanted to bring me on because I could do that. It was like I could roll into a situation, do a stage or whatever. When I got to Boston, I would go stage at places, and I could keep that cool, and it was amazing. Hmm. It was after a period of time that the anxiety started kicking in. And what do you think caused that? I think it was that I got exhausted. I got burnt out, and I needed to rest. And my tendency, when I get burnt out, when I start feeling that, I push harder, and my brain turns off and I use the anxiety as fuel. And while the anxiety mm. and the fuel can keep me going, I'm not, I'm not thinking straight. I'm thinking in this anxious, compulsive way to literally where I'll be so exhausted and so anxious and stressed that I'll be seeing double, like looking at tickets or looking at things, and I'll think that I'm seeing things that aren't actually there. Jesus. Like while I'm cooking and shit, like I'll think that I've added the garlic and that the garlic is burning in a pan, for example. Huh. And I'll be like, holy shit, the garlic is burning. And I'll start to like throw the pan out and start over again. And right before I throw it out, I'll look at the pan closely and be like, the garlic is fine, dude. Or like you haven't even turned the fire on the, on the range yet. Like your, your, your garlic can't possibly be burnt. Wow like really weird, like hallucination, hallucination, 
anxiety, panic attacks. Weird that, stuff. So like, but not. I'm not saying that I've been experiencing that at all within the last like maybe couple of years, maybe two years. But right, I so do feel going, it come on. Yeah, when you're going really. When hard. I was going real, real hard. Huh. That's what I wonder about the stuff. I mean, it, something I've always noticed was when you get in the weeds. I feel I feel like the first time you know you get in there, it's the, like the worst feeling in the world. And I remember this one guy. <clears throat> he was a pastry chef. I think you might know him. He did some time at the Route Seven Grill as well. Mm. He came on and he said that he wanted to switch his profession from pastry to savory, and he had invested so much of his time in there. And I was like, dude, you don't you don't want to do that. It's like you've you know your passion is this. I said, if you want, come on, come on and work the line one night. So I threw him in the grill one night and. Uh, mm. He was like, I'm calling to him, like, hey, where are you at with this? Where are you at with this? And he's looking at me, and he's just drenched and pale as a ghost. And I'm staring at him. I'm like, are you, hello? And he's like, uh, uh, just kind of shake his oh, head. I'm like, man. all right, bro. Crash I'm sorry. I said, I'm burn. sorry. I'm going to have to have you step off the line. So he went step off the line, and we got caught up, and we got the food out. And he was like, oh, my God. That, that's the most... You know, you guys are going on and on and on about being amazing. It's like, no, dude, that's like we're just doing this. You just got it over your head. Yeah. Same thing happened to me. What one restaurant? <clears throat> um, I think I told you about yeah, this. You yeah, did. and it's like it's like a legendary you story. Really set up, but what? anyways, yeah. Yeah, no, I, I wasn't set up, and I also didn't know the menu, and I also didn't know that we were going to get absolutely pounded. Because why would you throw somebody on the line? Just, I mean, I can't. I, you know, the only reason, like, as I think about it now, in my perspective, it's like, oh, let's see what this guy's made of. But why? <laughs> why would you do that? Like, for me, I would, like, you know, even this event we did this past weekend, you know, someone was setting up the Chemex coffees, and he unfolded the filters. The filters were the Chemex, in case anybody hasn't used them. They're kind of funny. They're kind of a little bit weird. So I had to go through them, and I was, like, very just kind with him and explained to him about how to actually do it, and, like, there's a little sort of a teat or, like, a nipple on the front of the Chemex and yeah. all that kind of stuff, like, because I don't want to see people go through that, and I think it's the thing. That's the idea is what you've, you're in that weeded area. You don't want other people to experience that because it's not no. good for them, and it's certainly not good for you. It's not successful. No, it but I'll... create a successful outcome. No, certainly not. But in most uh, cases. going back to the uh, the discussion about being in the weeds, you know, I got weeded a few times, and then I've got myself like never did I get myself into the same position again where I got into the weeds again. It's like almost like you hit a wall, you you get through it, and then you know, boom, boom, boom. But you go down. But I also can't help but wonder: is there some psychological damage that's being done there? Uh, trauma. 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 You're right. Is there some trauma that's being done? Is there some sort of scar tissue that's being built up? In a way that, you know, there's something like you're talking about, some of your flashbacks, but all, like post-traumatic stress disorder in some I think, ways. I think there absolutely is, dude. I think that there's stuff to be processed. And I know yeah. exactly, I can recall um, when I was in this state where I was exhausted and totally anxious, it was working a job um, at a university. This was uh, three years ago now. And I had just gotten pounded for like two weeks straight I was the catering chef there, and my department was just picking up events, more and more events, not saying no, and like taking them like two days out, 200 people go, like stuff like that. And I was so incredibly worn to the, like, the bone and was pushing so hard past exhaustion, needed to keep going, keep going, keep going for 16 days straight. On the 17th day, I had a day off. I was with my wife and my kids. We stopped at, uh, on a street in Pittsfield, and I got dropped off so I could go get a haircut. 
I walked into the building to get my hair cut, and there was, it was quiet in there. I had to like find the office or the room where the hair cutting appointment was. So I was walking through this building, and it was so quiet. You know what I started hearing? Ticker tape, the ticket tape from this restaurant, like one of the first restaurants that I worked at in Boston. I heard it start going off, and I thought that I was like, is it ticket tape going off? Like, what is going on? And I got totally freaked out. I couldn't find the haircutting thing. That I couldn't find the room because I was walking around and all I could hear was that. It was like finally I had a moment to unwind and deal with all the trauma from the past two weeks. And it triggered a previous trauma of being slammed on the line with tickets just like flowing, flowing, flowing. And honestly, I never crashed at that restaurant. There was one night that I did. And after that, the chef called me on it and was like, dude. And I freaking bawled my eyes out. And I was like, I'm so sorry. I'll never do that again. And I always performed. And I always came through. And I was even like, I, I loved it. But I was still traumatized by it. So the ticker tape, I had to text my wife and be like, come get me. I can't find the room. And I got in there. And I was like, hun, I, I have to go home. And I just like close myself in the room and just like, yeah, like let it out. Wow. Like wild stuff. I do think that a lot of those experiences just, they can't, we shouldn't compartmentalize them. We should look at them. There might even be a way that we can process. And this is, here's a mental health tip right here. There's a way to healthfully process a slam in night at the end of a night that doesn't involve just like jumping right into getting to having drinks or jumping right into consuming substances, you know? It's like, let's just take a moment. Like, that was fucking crazy, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Uh, and then think about it, flash back to it, sort of process it, understand it. At least just run it over in our heads and get to a place where we're outside of that trauma, you know? Yeah. Um, expect that we're going to have some physiological response to it somewhere down the road. Like, get ready for that to happen. Yeah. Um, well, I think that also with the ego part of it there, you know, I think there is, because you go through so many tough services, you can start to think you're indestructible. And, every, like, we're human. Our subconscious know? could be, or I mean, it could be called the subconscious, I don't know, but somewhere those traumatic experiences are getting, like, stacked up. And yeah. And start breaking yeah, without and looking at them. And I'm a huge fan of, you know, the phrase, you know, everything costs something. You know, yeah. I was in a long-term relationship I with somebody. I love you say that. <laughs> Do you? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because it, it's, it's so true. It's so true, yeah. You know, I mean, like, because sometimes you think you're getting, you're getting one over on something. Yeah. But you're not getting nothing over on no, nobody. No, you know, man. because there's, there's something that's going to gonna pay. The piper always gets paid. Yeah. So, you know, there was, I, I was in a long-term relationship with a woman for five years. Mm. And, and, like, for the first time when I was young, I was like, oh, my God, I love this woman. This is going to be, you know, I, you mm. know, you get to this point in life where maybe it's a little idealistic or whatever, but you get to a point in life. Uh, where you're so infatuated and you love somebody so much, nobody else can ever just nobody else can turn your head. And like that was the stage I was in. I was like, I'm just this is this is I couldn't be any better than this. Yeah. I got this opportunity to be the chef at the Route Seven Grill, and I was pretty wise, I guess, at that age because I had said, "Is this an opportunity that I should consider? Should we do this as partners?" T- you know, to the woman I was seeing. Oh. 
I said, it's going to be incredibly hard. I'm going to be working very long hours. We're going to be on opposite schedules. We considered everything. And in the end, she was, it's very supportive of the opportunity that I was, you know, going to have. Cause I didn't, I didn't really have anything else going on at that point. Uh, as you probably, as I've talked about before in other podcasts, I worked at this natural foods store. I graduated culinary school and so I was ready to go, you know, and I went and took the job and I would say probably a month into it, our relationship drastically altered. You know, you come home and that's the idea after getting, working a crazy slamming service, you come home, you're wired. And I was like, oh, I'm going to go right home. <laughs> I'm going to come right home because, you know, I got a busy day with the family tomorrow. She had two kids. Um, from a different, from another marriage. So came home, a little bit restless in bed, you know? And then it was, hey, hon, can you go sleep on the couch or I'm going to have to just because I have to get up early and, you know, she was a light sleeper. Well, okay, so, <clears throat> uh, of course, I'm not going to have, I'm not going to disc, that, that's, that's what I am, I'm like a fixer. That's, I guess, um, so like a, a piece about me is that I don't want to ever put anyone else in a difficult position, so I'm never going to ask somebody to get out of bed. So ultimately, I just ended up going to sleep on the couch every night. And, you know, it would be, you know, I would go to, I'd probably get to bed around 2, 2.30 in the morning. She'd get up at 5.30 to work out. Kids yeah. would get up around 7. Yeah. So I was like just cruising along, working restaurant hours and unlimited sleep, totally snapping on, on Sundays, <laughs> you know, on, on people. Not meaning to, I just was so exhausted yeah. and putting, you know, like a lot of crazy stuff. And it's, unfortunately, it took its toll on our relationship and ultimately became the end for our relationship. Sure. And who knows, in the end, would it have worked out Either way, I don't know. I mean, thinking back on it now, I don't think so. But I will definitely say that my involvement in the restaurant industry played a huge factor in the degradation of our relationship, for sure. I guess, yeah. I mean, yeah. Yes. I mean, just like my, my patience and everything else. I mean, was it always underlying? And I, I mean, it's hard for me to tell because it was such a long time ago now. But you know, was were those feelings always underlying? And I just was pretending to be somebody else. I don't, I don't know. Huh. You know, but and I mean, also, I mean. Could she have stepped it up and been like, "You're awesome. Do you want to go through this time? Like, go through it. Like, let's we'll figure it out. You know, do your thing, man. Live your passion. You know, it's sort of. I think she gave up too, because I mean, shit gets hard in relationships. It's like, and people change and take on stuff that seems crazy. It's like, right. doesn't mean that the relationship needs to end just because suddenly you want to pursue something. Like, it could be, a, she could have perceived that in a totally different way. She could have been like, dude, it's freaking awesome. Do it. Like, I see you're so lit up. You're so happy. That's fucking awesome. I love seeing you happy. Sure, you're tired. Whatever. Take the day off from the kids. I'll take care of shit. You know, mm -hmm. like, I'll go sleep on the couch. I'm going to sleep on the couch. I don't care what you say. Right. You know, you're awesome. How did the night go? Was it amazing? Awesome. Wow, you're wired because you're so happy. Yeah, right. You know, I mean, it was sort of, there's some of that too. It's a two-way street being in a relationship. Yeah, yeah, especially. And I guess, I don't know. I mean, it's interesting too. It is. And then that's the hard part, I think, where I've had so many issues with that because mm. I'm at a stage, you know, I guess perpetually now in my life where I'm, I've been focused on my career for such a long period of time and nothing, I've made it a point that nothing is going to get in the way yeah. of me fulfilling what I need to do. Mm. And, you know, you have to, yeah, I mean, due to that, you know, I, I miss out on other family functions or whatever, you know, and lots of, lots of things. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I just, in other relationships or friendships I've had, because I'm not willing to sacrifice the time that's necessary in my mind to grow my business, 
um, not a lot of people hang out around, around for that. So maybe perhaps that woman, you know, also it's hard when you get into a relationship when the sort of stipulations or the scenario, the environment was built off of something very different. Yeah. And then you, then all of a sudden it changes drastically. Mm. You, I mean, to, to her credit, sure, she may have given up, but also like you, in the end, you got to be happy. Yeah. And maybe she tried to ride it out as long as she could. Right. So who, who really knows? At the end of the day, we're not there now. You yeah. know what I mean? Right. But it is, it's yeah. just an interesting thing that that was a catalyst, certainly, you know, the restaurant world. And it is interesting how at the end, you're absolutely right. It becomes... All right, wow, we just got through a service. Staff drinks, what do you guys want? What do you want? <laughs> yeah. Immediately you get that toxin, that that feel-good vibe into yeah. your system right away because it helps the pain. But also, that's just loads, a lot of stuff, beer or whatever you're drinking, it's got a lot of sugar in there. Yeah. Or you have a coffee throughout service at 9 o'clock at a night. A lot of it's that. Yeah, like and then I you're see up. guys chugging sodas and stuff. Totally, totally. dude, yeah. And like I would, I would be starving and I would just hammer like whatever was desserts were left over. Totally. You know? Yeah, Butter, fat, yeah. sugar, <laughs> yeah. all those things are like energy so bombs. So wound up. Yeah. Right. So, so it's not like at the end of the service, I'm like, mm, I could use some peppermint tea. Mm. You know? Right. That's interesting. Yeah, but, and the yeah. abuse, like the, the nutrition as a chef, too. I mean, so many hours through my day, I would go over... Shit, man, even on site right now when we make staff meal, I almost never eat staff meal. Yeah, It's like I'm too. just boom, boom, boom. On in the that go, moment, it's like, nah, I'm not hungry at all in that moment. It's like it's go time at that time. Mm -hmm. You don't stop and like shove a bunch of food in your face. Yeah, I've never been like that ever since I've been in the food industry. Yeah, I mean, I'll try food to see how yeah, the components course. are going together and things like that. Right. But um, I don't take a moment to sit down and eat cause, because – I don't know what it is. Is it a sense of guilt or something that I'm not working? I, I could know. be getting something else done. I don't know. That's a good question, man. And maybe that's us not taking care of ourselves. You know, maybe a mental health tip is <laughs> one that uh, I'm not always great at following, but I do sometimes, and it's pretty nice. Mental health tip: take breaks, stop. Yeah. Step outside of the kitchen for a minute. At yeah. least go outside. Uh, grab a snack eat something at staff meal like or if there is staff meal at your place like sit and actually eat that meal yeah because it's also a valuable time to bond with your team as well i mean that's like that's why i love travel events with heirloom fire so much is that you know we would you know we're always going we're always like on the clock yeah. where the, the clock is the master you're always right on it what is it you need more oh the clock is the master, so mm. you're always working, and yeah, of course, and um, <clears throat> you know we would go on these uh, travel trips. We're driving a car together, having a good old time, and that's the opportunity to really get to know people. Yeah, you know, and uh, have fun. I mean, that's important. But I don't know, man. I mean, for me, my my mind is so incredibly stubborn, challenging, and uh, often self-destructive in ways like even when i should be do it's it's like i don't know i just had this realization the other day as screwed up as this is mm. it's like um certain times when i'm really tired or sometimes i know i should be doing something i'm some days i can have these amazing days where i make lists i'm like okay perfect yeah, all yeah. this stuff in the list boom 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 keep crossing off it feels great and then there's some days where it's like I create these lists and this inner child, like this stubborn uh -huh. bastard is like, 
yeah, whatever mom, or yeah, whatever dad, it's like this punk-ass dishwasher sort of comes out, or just this punk-ass kid, where it's like, yeah, I don't want to do that, so I'm not going to, just to spite <laughs> you. That's the kind of shit that goes on inside of my head. And huh. I'm like, dude, what the hell is wrong? <laughs> like, why? And it's like, I'll have some good days, you know, but sometimes it feels as though there's more crazy days like that, huh. you know? And that's the thing where I think it's really, really important in life to... You know, I hear certain people that talk about that, you know, when they do things, it feeds their soul. Mm. Like for me, I, th I sort of liken that to being like an introvert or an extrovert, kind of on a, on a simple point. So an, an introvert is somebody that enjoys small talks like this or small <laughs> gatherings or small gatherings. An extrovert is somebody that gets energy from large crowds of people, goes, loves going to parties, loves going to the city or whatever. When I'm engaged in large gatherings like that, First off, there's these, this anxiety that goes there because, man, I can talk about food all day long. This is like my habitat. Yeah. Talk about fire-based cooking, food science, you know, just local food, plants. Yeah. I love all that stuff. Take me out of that and start talking about the Kardashians or what's mm -hmm. going on in the news, really. Like, it starts to become really... I mean, I think this happens to a lot of people. You take them out of their element, they get uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. I don't thrive in those situations, and I actually find them to be very taxing. I, mm -hmm. I feel like it's a well... And it's like, you know, you can easily drain that whole thing. So you have to find things in between that, even if your job, if your job doesn't, your job doesn't feed you mm. like that, you have to find other things that feed you as well. Yeah, man. And I've appreciated you saying that before. Like, I've heard you say to me, like, all right, man, you're trying to, you, you've gone beyond your limit. You're taking on too much. Or you're saying, this is like, you've said this, you've repeated back to me what I've said to you at times, where you said, okay, you're saying that you've reached your limits and that you need to cut down on the amount of stuff that you're doing. And okay, that might be true. And maybe that is actually true. But do you, have you ever considered that some of these things, these extra things that you're taking on, this podcast, for instance, is feeding your soul in a way that actually charges you up. So sure. And it, it just has made me think a lot, man. Like this kind of thing, this doing this, I'm going to be tired tomorrow because I've already had a really long day and I have an early morning. But I'm going to have that feeling that I get after every Tuesday when we do this yeah. where I'm like, yeah, like I feel happy. I've got a smile on my face. Sure, yeah, I'm a yeah, little yeah. spacey, but yeah. I'm going to perform just as well. It's going to be fine because yeah. I'm like, I got fueled by doing this. Yeah. So what does, like what feeds your soul that makes it worth pushing and doing hard things? Isn't that, a, I mean, that's sort of, I liken to that liken that to the question of what do you want to do for the rest of your life? Mm. You know, like, what do you want to do for a job? I mean, that's really hard to find for some people because especially too, when you get, I think, you know, I've been saying with the COVID stuff for my own mental health is that sometimes I feel like I'm caught in a loop. Mm. You know, I get up because, you know, truth be told, just, just a little bit of a rundown here. I mean, for my business, yeah, it is not a business that runs retail or anything like that. I mean, it's literally, it's a very difficult time because, in order to make the business function, we have to cut basically all expenditures as much as we can. So yeah. uh, that means running on a skeleton crew. Yep. And, um, you know, with that, it's like, you know, I have one other person that works with me, but it's ordering food, it's answering emails, it's 
prepping all the food for events. It's going and doing the events. It's doing all the dishes. So it's, it's, it's kind of crazy. So being in this loop, I sort of feel like it's this constant thing. And it's very easy to keep living in that loop. And you sort of lose sight of anything that could be potentially uh, an aspect that feeds you. Because mm. all these things have to get done. And sometimes, you know, when you don't, when you don't have the right amount of people, that's the problem too. When you, when at least the struggles that I'm going through is when you start a business and you evolve the business, you grow it. I mean, yeah. ultimately that's the idea. That's the dream. Huh. But then when you get to a stage, when you grow a business, um, to the point where, you know, when you grow, you have to bring other people on or you have to fold in different elements to actually make it function because nobody, I'm never going to take a team member and grind them to a pulp. But now, you know, we're in this stage of the business where, um, the business can't afford taking on extra people or whatever. So it starts to put you through uh, a bit of a challenging yeah, state. Hard to feel. It's like, yeah, no wonder you'd be rebelling against the checklist. Cause probably on the checklist is a bunch of loop shit. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know? Exactly. It's like none of that is at all fun or like feeding you. Right. And that's the part that I struggle with is like, Oh my gosh. I mean, for me, it's always like, I have to, I think, well, I can't really afford to sit here and do nothing because I have a bunch of stuff. And if I don't get some of that off the list, I will then become buried by all the shit on my list. Yeah. But at the same time, why do I want to get going to put myself? It's like, it's like putting your hand in a hot pan yeah. and, or just because some, some of the stuff can be so mundane or so something that you're so not interested in. Yeah. Um, for me, I'm, I'm a person that has to have constant inspiration and I'm, yeah. I'm like the thinker. Like that's what like, gives me, um, passion and creativity uh-huh. uh and you know I, i'm also a firm believer in where is your time best spent mm. you know if and, and it's amazing how much time doing dishes takes up right but yeah. it is an essential thing that has to get done for sanitation purposes of course you know but it, but if you're not careful and when you're exhausted that's what it comes into is when you're exhausted yeah it's real easy to that 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 little dark voice gets going in your head and it, it starts to chew it yourself yeah. it becomes your own worst enemy yeah you know when you when you're like you know when you got a lot of rest or everything else yeah you can you can fight those demons off a little bit yeah so yeah, yeah. man but that's the part and is I like it's hard to find the feeding part is what the point what i was getting at yeah like when you have little little time yeah totally you need it and i just imagine you know if anybody out there is listening who's you know a cook who's been laid off uh, or even a cook or a chef who's still been working through this whole thing, but dealing with the mundanity, the drudgery of new protocols to mm. stay safe during COVID times. Like you're getting buried in this like functionality, this like drudgery, totally no fun, wearing gloves and masks, hygienic, sterile crap sterile and trying to well, i've never heard that word before what does yeah, that mean man, sterile mm. environment mm. sterile mm. it's like sterile you know it's like oh, so, it's so like, but it's clean. like ultra sterile it's like so clean and so focused on being clean that there's nothing left there's no there's no passion there's no room for that yeah anymore. not only is there no like no bacteria but there's also you've cleaned all the passion yeah damn totally that dude. is sterile yeah shit sterile bro so like and imagine you know that if if you are fueled out there if there's anybody out there you're fueled by your passion for cooking for creating for making beautiful stuff and it's totally being stifled right now you might not be in a good headspace if you are 
the owner of a restaurant right now who day to day is wondering if you're gonna be able to open your doors tomorrow morning, if you're gonna make it past this day because you've established that you need to do this many takeout orders. Ta by the way, takeout orders destroy your freaking soul because <laughs> you know you might have like a fried, oh. you know, like a fried squash blossom yeah, or something right now. squash blossom. And that yeah. shit is sitting in a box, yeah. and by the time it's getting to your guest or your customer, you know that that shit is cold, lukewarm, yeah. soggy, mm. not good, mm. and that you're never going to be able to make anything look as pretty as it could on your locally like commissioned and crafted plate, yeah. but instead you're shoving it in a brown compostable box with to-go utensils packed yeah. with a napkin and a salt and pepper packet Ooh. in the thing. Yeah. You're not feeling good. Mental, talk about mental health. Your mental health is not good. Right. My mental health is not good. I could tell some stories about stuff I've been going through too. And it's hard. Uh, I'm feeling that. I can feel the collective anxiety, pain, depression. It's the unknown, too. Of the unknown right yeah. now. That's, and yeah. it's a really hard time. So, you know, maybe coming in for a landing, man. What do you think? What do you think about coming in for a landing right now? Is there anything else Where you want to talk to about first? I was thinking about, you know, <laughs> getting like let's let's spin this around now. Let's get a little inspired. Let's let's do some takeaway, some positive takeaway. Cause I think that's why, you know, we've gotten so close in these months is to help each other, to support each other during really difficult time. Yeah. So how can we support those listening to us right now with some takeaways during this difficult time? Yeah, I think for the folks, we, we've touched on this in a, a different podcast, but for the folks that are in the food industry, you know, I think for the, the other hard part too is to think about when you're mm -hmm. going in and going through this whole protocol stuff, there's a lot of people out there that also are, you know, they have, the unemployment benefits are really great. And it's very challenging yeah, to... Yeah, that's a good point, man. I'm to, happy you're talking about this. Yeah, to, to put yourself, you know, to, to justify coming into work when also, I mean, some of those benefits are so tasty yeah. that it's like, damn, like some people are making a lot of money. Like more than they were making when they were working. And in some cases. Yeah, yeah. And also, there are, I heard on NPR, I think it was last week, there's also like a ridiculous amount of unemployment fraud that's happening also. Yeah, I and, can imagine that. you know, and that shit, they'll catch it up. Because the government, if, if, if the one thing they're really, really good at is getting their money. <laughs> yeah, they're going to find, find that money. And it might take a couple of years. It may take, yeah, it might take six months. They're, they're going to get it. They're going to get it. But, so, yeah, I mean, the, the point is, like, I, I think during these times is passion. If it's, if you feel like something's beaten out of you and you know, you, you do hear a lot of people that go out of business. The thing that I'm really curious about is mm. what are the folks like, what, how do they knuckle down? They double down and decide to evolve or something like that. Or some people are just exhausted. Mm -hmm. They're just absolutely exhausted. Yeah. Maybe they wanted to go out anyway. You know, there are yeah. a lot of people I know restaurant owners who live with that conflicted heart yeah. Of uh, I'll just say this real quick. I don't want to throw you off your oh, train. That's fine. That's fine. Of like, 
you definitely want the business to succeed, but also it's so stressful and so intense that you just want it to be over, you know? Yeah. And so it's like flirting with that perspective of like, ooh, maybe this is the time when this is just going to end. And like, maybe I can just fucking end this and figure out what's next for me. Yeah. You know? Anyway. No, it's fine. Um, I think another big, big part, I know there's certainly people out there that have thought about this, and I will say that I'm sure some of you are also thinking about wanting to shut things down, but you have a lot of people's money, maybe investors, mm. family, whatever. Oh, my God, that, that the pressure. Yeah, oh. that, that, you know, where you feel like there's nothing you can do and you can't get rid of it or whatever, or you, you can't close down because, because of that fact, or yeah. could be some sense of pride, you may be viewed as a failure or something. And if you're not careful, those thoughts can lead you to a position of, you know, what, what's, what's the other route? I can't mm. shut it down and live with the guilt. Maybe I'll just Oh, be don't done. say it, man. Just don't say it. Well, that, that's a reality, man. And some yeah. people will, you know, do think about that. And it is a reality for a lot of people in the food industry, unfortunately. I was looking up last night. I didn't see any, um, like, pressure-related suicides, any markable ones, like, amongst any of the mainstream big chefs. None of it has been covered in mainstream media anyway. Well, sure. So even if it's not mainstream head chefs, it could be somebody in the middle of a diner be. in Ohio yeah. or something like that. Yeah. And still, that's, that's really challenging. The, the end of the day is uh, that's not worth it. Mm. You know, it, as, as easy as that sounds to end everything, to mm. take that route out because you can't see any light. Mm. So the restaurant's not working. You have investors you can't pay back. Is it worth giving everything up? Mm. You know? Like, I think what you really need to think about is yourself. What, is, what are you going to do? If you get to that stage, you need to, you need to heal yourself. There's a lot of healing that you need to, need to do. And that's something that has to be taken seriously. Mm. So if you don't have if you can't get back to your investors or for whatever reason that you're feeling that way, that's all temporary. And those are conversations and those are the things down the road that you might have to worry about. But nothing is more important than your own health. Yeah, and man. If you need to have it a crisis uh, moment, call your doctor and tell them that you're, you're having these thoughts. Mm -hmm. In this country, mental health is not taken as seriously as it, as it needs to be. Mm -hmm. uh, speaking from my own experience, you know, when I've had moments where I really need to speak to somebody, it's uh, the very first time I, I reached out to a doctor, they told me it would take me about five months to get into a facility to talk to somebody Ugh, so they doctor. could have an assessment. And I was like, five months, really? That's a lot. And, you know, thankfully, I wasn't at a stage in my life where I felt like, you know, it was do or die time. Mm. But if I was, yeah, that's scary as hell. So, you know, obviously the suicide prevention line, yeah, you know, look that up. Say. I mean, look up stuff online yeah. about like why you should save your, you know, save your life. There's a lot of people out there that, you know, uh, care deeply about you more than you know, even if people don't talk to you about it, if they don't mm -hmm. tell you about it. There's a lot of people that you mean everything to. You yeah. mean a lot to. And those are important people that rely on you. Yeah. And I know there are some people out there that kind of like that idea of, well, if I died, who would come to my funeral? 
Instead mm -hmm. of thinking about it like that, reach out to those people. Would you wonder if that person would show up to your funeral? Reach out to them. Tell them you're thinking about them. Mm. Reach out to everybody you know and tell them you love them. Whatever issues, whatever grievances you have, family, friends, past employee or employees, employers, mm -hmm. uh, let them know. Just, just bury the hatchet. Life is too short to be unhappy in that way. And your mental health, you have to do, it's, it's not selfish. Like the word, the word selfish. selfish, the word selfish has gotten such a bad rap, yeah. but it's so important to take care of yourself. And sometimes that can come off as selfish. No or one's, weak. Yeah, weak. No one is going to understand how to take care of yourself better than you. And yeah. sometimes you just need to silence all the noise, get away from everything, take a break, a mental health break. Yeah. So, or reach out, reach out. Yeah. If reach you need out to, to do that. Yeah. Reach your out. Friends. Yeah, and there's there's people out there that are there for you. Yeah. Do whatever you have to do, but don't don't take the darker way out because you know, those thoughts are temporary. Some days are really, really bad. And I know that you've gone through a lot of those days where they're really, really bad. And mm -hmm. it seems like it's insurmountable. The next day or maybe the day after you feel like, Oh my god, I can't believe I even got to there. Yeah. So understand that when you're in those darkest hours, when you are in that pit. It is temporary. I know that it seems absolutely, un it seems like it's never going to end, but it will. Yeah, it could even end in like 10 minutes. Yeah, so take a breath. Don't do anything stupid because you're better than that, okay? And there's a lot of people that love you. And you have a lot of love to give. So hang tough. That, that would be my takeaway, I think, in those darkest hours. Just stay here. Yeah, I think that's awesome, man. I think if you are fortunate enough to not be in that crisis kind of state, um, but you're definitely feeling the, the grind, the constant weight of corona on your back, and if you're not working, maybe you're actually getting bennies uh, and you're getting supported in that way, um, look at other interests explore things that you have always been interested in, but have been too busy working 50, 60 hours a week in kitchens to actually expand on. Take that time. Maybe it's that you like gardening. Yeah. Maybe it's that you want to learn what it's like to plant some tomatoes in a bucket and chuck them in your backyard. Like you can do that now. You have some time to explore that stuff. Maybe there's some book you always wanted to catch up on. Maybe there's some recipes that you want to explore or develop. Yeah. There's so much stuff to do. You've, there's sort of like a world now to spend some time to explore, to keep your mind occupied and to feel fulfilled in other ways. You might discover that there are other things that fulfill you yeah. than just cooking and working and being focused on that. That focus, that drive is addictive and I'm hooked on it by, absolutely, I am hooked on the intensity, the focus, the, the adrenaline, the, just the, the world dissolving and all the uncertainties of the world just disappearing as soon as I step into a kitchen. I love that. I love having something hard to focus on, goals to attain, and to see them get achieved each time and to have success. It's like, it's very powerful. It's very addictive. Yeah. But there are other things in, in life that you could get 
addicted to that would feed your soul and feed your mind in ways that you might not even know yet and that you haven't had time to explore yet. Yeah, and you know, you might also be get yourself into a situation where maybe it's <clears throat> not a great job, maybe the ethics or yeah. whatever. There could be something that you really don't like there, and and if you're not careful, you can drain the well of inspiration and passion. And it's you got to get out of that situation. Yeah. There's no reason to stay in that situation because if you're not feeling good about it, like the moment I, I you know, it's something I've tried to tell all my friends. The moment you feel is though you start to think about, well, maybe I need to start looking for the job. Then it's time. That's yeah. it. The moment you start thinking, because all that's going to do is it's going to gnaw at your brain. Yeah. You got to get out of the situations. And also, if you feel that's the case, try to start squirreling away some money. I mean, one of the best things I ever did in my life was when I was talking about that relationship. Yeah, I you're was good in. with money, dude. Well, I just I was trained by an insane mother who <laughs> made me guilty about, like, maybe feel guilty about even just buying a pair of socks that I needed. So thank, thankful to her for that. But, um, you know, uh, you, I was very thankful for that moment in time when I left, when I got out of that long-term relationship I was talking about earlier, and I need to clear my head. I went and worked in another restaurant uh, immediately after, and my head wasn't there. I was too screwed up emotionally, uh -huh. uh, and I wasn't able to perform to the best of my abilities. And mm. I had to leave because I knew I wasn't doing, my heart wasn't in it like it needed to be for that kitchen. Mm. And, it, they, and to, the, to the chef's credit, he was busting hard. He wanted to create great things. I was his sous chef, and I just wasn't, I mean, if I was in there in a different capacity, a different mindset, yeah. we could have done really great things. He still did really great things, but I just couldn't be the person that he needed to be, yeah. needed me to be. Yeah. So I had to give my notice, but I squirreled away enough money and I booked a trip to Italy for two weeks. I went out there That's and awesome. I came back and that was really challenging as well. But you know, just putting myself in this crazy ass situation, I don't speak Italian or anything like that. And mm. you know, just to every time I started to feel really like this crazy sense of anxiety, I kept reminding myself, dude, you're on the other side of the world in a country that you don't know anything about, you don't speak the language, and you're surviving. You are alive. Huh. It's a big deal. And then I was able to come back and um, I think basically afford myself like two months off of work and just, you know, spent my money very, very modestly and did a lot of work on myself huh. too. That's awesome. So, so if, if and you... And I remember then you came back stronger than ever yeah. in a new endeavor and like you really hung in for a long yeah. time in that endeavor. Yeah. And then it propelled you into where you are now. Yeah. When also, you know, when I when I left that other place, I was actually then I went and worked at a farm for a yeah. season. Now, that like sense of management, I didn't have that sense of management. I didn't have to. I mean, I, I, sometimes when you're in a restaurant, dude, restaurant life is hard. We all know that. The ticket machine going off, constantly having to fire one ticket and then kind of go back and do all this other stuff all at the same time, multitasking. Yeah. Sometimes it's, it's healthy to get out of that environment and get yourself into a position where it's physical labor, working mm. at a farm. Yeah. Someone just gives you, the, you know, gives you your marching orders. You go out, and your mind is allowed to just be. Be. Yeah. You don't have to worry about oh, all this so stuff good. that's happening. It literally feels like you're unclenching your fist, your yeah, fist after just holding it up, balled up yeah. for weeks, yeah. years even. So it feels so good, and you have to do that because yeah. stressful situations like that can kill. So get out if you can afford to. But even if you can't, if you're living paycheck to paycheck, it's also healthy to get out of the restaurant industry for a little bit and go work some other places. Work a couple part-time jobs some other place. Maybe it's stocking shelves. Maybe it's yeah. something. But just get away from it. If you're feeling burnt out, get away from the food industry. It's not the only thing you know how to do. Yeah. Get away. Recharge. And if you love it, you'll come back to it. I can mm -hmm. promise you. If there's something that drew you to it, 
your passions, you're always going to go back to your passions. Can't so don't escape. be afraid. But you've got to heal. you got to heal. you got to take yeah. care of yourself yeah. and get re-inspired because that's what this, this, this life is. I mean, it's, I think the ones that succeed in this industry are artists or something. You know, like so many people choose different aspects, whether it's a radio announcer, um, you know, an actual musician or uh, an, an actual artist, a painter or something like that. Those, they're all artists that choose different mediums. I mean, for me, I am... Uh, I'm an artist, but I choose food as my my palate to mm. work through, and it's something that you're passionate about. I mean, that's just it's the way to be. Yeah, yeah, man, totally. Yeah. Enjoy your life. You gotta enjoy life. all every aspect of it. Yes. If you find that you're getting burnt on the kitchen, it's probably because you're awesome and you've been focusing really hard on it because. You're good at it. You're excelling at it. You're getting somewhere with it. You feel like you found your place. That's all very good. Step outside of it for a second. Get some perspective. Explore something else. Your life is more than just that. Yeah. If you mess up a plate, <laughs> if you're exhausted and you have a rough night, it's not the end of the world. And if you think that it is, you need to get outside, bro. Like, you need to get outside and explore some other stuff. Yeah, you can't drive a car 200 miles an hour without bringing it into the shop every once in a while. Yeah, so you I have like to. that old analogy. Yeah, the you have old to. James analogy right there. Yeah, you got to take care of yourself, plain and simple. Take care of yourself, whether it's taking time away from your partner, you know, your romantic relationship, your friends, your family. I mean, if holidays are a lot for you, take a break. Go out like Dennis Rodman. You know, it's like that that documentary right now on the Bulls is like is uh, resonating with like everybody. And there's that story of how, you know, coach, uh, you know, Phil, Phil Jackson, yeah, good, good old coach Phil Jackson. Rodman was tweaking out, man. He was going through a lot. He was under a lot of pressure. He was kind of starting to crack. He needed to get out of Dodge fast. And yeah, he's like, I'm going, I want to go to Las Vegas. And Phil Jackson was like, go. And yeah. he went and he freaking raged. He didn't probably he sleep at all. Probably didn't. Yeah. And he came back. He had to get dragged back, actually, mm-hmm. by MJ. And, and t- right? Yep, that's right. As the story yeah. goes, anyway. Yeah. He went, yeah, went, and went he came back the, and yeah. he was good after that. Yep. It's like, do what you, I'm not condoning, you know doing anything too destructive or doing anything unsafe, obviously. Yeah, but you know yourself. I mean, you do and, and know if yourself. You, you know, just take care of yourself. If you need to unwind, you know you need to go. If you're an extrovert, you need to party or whatever. Everything in moderation, obviously. Yeah. Don't OD or whatever. Yeah, I did want to say. Have a good time. Yeah. What? I did want to say, um, if you need to take the first step to learn yourself, which is like often I struggle with what my limits are, and I'm always pushing and I go too far often. Yeah. And there are obligations that I make that I can't fulfill. And people get hurt in that process because I have to let, I've let somebody down because I overextend myself. That sometimes right. happens. Right. I lose my focus at something that I should be focusing on, like my team or in a kitchen or something. So suddenly they don't have what they need. They're not getting support from me in various ways so that they end up in a situation that's stressful for them because I'm not focused on making sure that they're being taken care of and that they're being provided for. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
So the first step might be to learn about yourself. Take a moment, take, take time to think about it. Like, what do I need? What is good for me? What would be good for me to do yeah. right now? What am I interested in? You know, take time to just like do nothing, unscheduled time right. and explore yourself. Right. That sounded a little bit, uh, a little bit dirty. I didn't mean it like well, that. Well, again, whatever you need to do to take care of yourself. If you need <laughs> to explore, put the hard hat on with the, uh, the hard hat. yeah, the, the lantern and the lantern. Get into the cave. Go deep. Get into the cave. Yeah, figure out whatever you need to do. Yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting to look at that. It's also like the how cave? your actions can. It was a metaphor. Please don't look too deep. Into, into the it. cave. Into it, yes. Into the might not dark come out. hole. Yeah. So, wake up. Is that Hennessy? Sorry, what? Yeah, uh, so. yeah. Continue, please. Yeah, yeah that was going to be a profound point, I'm sure. Yeah, no, it's just, that's it. I mean, where you are, look at those kinds of things, look at yourself, but also look at, like, without beating yourself up too much, how are your actions affecting someone else? Yeah. And, and how do you feel about that? Does it mm. make you feel indifferent? Does it make you feel upset? If it makes you feel upset... How can you be a better person? I'm an advocate, a huge fan of journaling. Uh, mm. I like a mix of, as I've mentioned before, like a voice memo that I will then put away into a special folder in an email that I can revisit. Just it helps me think about down the road what sort of mind That's state cool. I was in. But yeah. I also enjoy the um, tactile uh, version of actually just physically journaling as well mm. because I think it engages different parts of the brain. It's one yeah. thing to talk. It's another thing to journal. Um, and I don't even know if I've ever even read any of the journals that I had journaled in. Yeah. Because I just think it's almost a, as a, a, a therapy in that moment yeah, to there get all some, of that out. Yeah, there are some perspectives or some like uh, teachings that are about writing and then never looking at it. Sometimes, sometimes you like write it all. Don't look back at it because it's like if you got to get something out, get it out. Don't get it back into you after by reading it. And then there'll be like ceremonies over burning yeah. what you've written. You right. Know? And I wonder about that stuff. It's like, would that? I mean, I mean, I guess it's really about what the. I don't. I don't, I don't really want to call it theater, but the sort of build up to burning this thing to cleanse it, and whatever the ceremony, ceremony is. Yeah. Is it like? I, I don't know. I've never done it, so I, I can't actually say if it'd make me feel good. Maybe it might be, make me feel like it's the best thing in the world. I don't know. But it does feel good to get it out on, on paper. Yeah. Like For a long time, I just had actually stopped journaling altogether, like through writing stuff down and You're only typing. just using yeah, like the notes app. And I found that to actually not help me hmm. because I think there's a certain thing about drawing the letters yeah that actually engages my brain a much more in a much more um, impactful way. Yeah. It's like muscle memory, mm. where if you're just typing keys, everything is so fast, it's not always best. Yeah. Maybe good for like quick reminders and stuff like that. I mean, that's why I always found like the, uh, the uh, Apple Watch was completely useless for me. Um, oh, yeah, and you don't have it on. Well, I haven't worn it in some time. Mm. Um, I usually wear just a regular watch. Oh, right. Um, just because time is... I mean, oh, my God, when, you, when I'm on site and I don't have a watch, I feel completely naked. <laughs> I mean, I even hate to ask, like, what time is it? What do we have to do this? It just because it makes me... It throws me for a loop. Yeah. So, yeah, anyhow. Um, yeah, so, we, as you can tell, we barely scratched the surface on this because I mean, we have stories we've shared with one another. We've gone deep about stuff, about some really scary shit in our lives. Maybe we'll have a part two at some point down the road. Yeah. I we mean, it, we can check back in. Yeah. And, and since, I mean, if we're being completely, you know, full and candid here, too, 
you know, this is our fifth podcast, fifth official podcast. Yeah. Um, we haven't launched any. As of right now, we haven't launched it to the public yet. I'm really interested at some point of doing like a mailbag episode where we cast questions out. Yeah, that's cool. I was thinking about doing that for this episode too. So maybe in the second one. Yeah, once I mean, I think once we go live and start sharing stuff. Yeah. Um, or even before then, we could we could get some questions from people or whatever and just, yeah. just answer them. Because, I mean, there's stuff, I mean, with, with between you and I, like during this time, I know we've talked about it a lot, the voice memos we share with each other. Because, you know, I mean, there's something about human connection during this time that's been lost pretty significantly. And, you know, we're both busy, so it's not like I can call you up while you're at work and we can just be on the phone like, hey, hey, baby, how you doing? Or whatever. And, yeah. you know, we, we can't talk like that. Yeah. But we can capture our thoughts and just send them off. Yeah. While you're working, you could be listening to my thoughts or vice versa. And yeah. we can both, I mean, and I also think because at the end of the day, we're all so similar. We all share so many different challenges in life. Mm. I mean, when I've read a lot of these developmental books, I'm like, oh my gosh, this, this is actually a thing. Uh, there's other people. And I think there's strength in that. Yeah. When you see that other people are, are, are struggling with the same things mm. and they're, they've come up with solutions, it's enlightening and it, it kind of takes weight off your shoulders. Yeah, that's so, a great takeaway too, I think. Yeah. Is get out there and read inspirational stuff or find somebody who you resonate with, who's online, who's got a podcast, who has a book that you've heard. You know, look, look for that stuff. Absolutely. I mean, that, that podcasts are amazing. That's why we decided to do this because they've helped me so much. Yeah. And our goal here is to be able to help you guys too. And that would be the great thing about a mailbag episode is that because we've both helped each other so much with different problems or yeah. challenges in our lives, yeah. I would love to, we would love to hear challenges or even Christ recipe ideas or thoughts or anything. Just really. connection. Yeah, just connection. connection. And because at the end During of the day. During this isolated, weird time, yeah. man, just connect but even like you know when i've gone all i've gone i mean it's not that i've completely traveled the world but when i've gone different places you know across the ocean like england or whatever and there's so much in this hospitality industry it's a big community yeah and the further we you know the more we can stay connected um which isn't even that hard to do this day and age the better yeah. And we can all share our troubles, our concerns, how to handle things. So yeah. it's a very exciting thing. So I definitely think so, we should pick this up on a part two. Yeah, totally. Sure. Agreed, man. Let's do that. Um, and in the meantime, how can folks get in touch with us? Yeah. So in the meantime, please. So talking about a mailbag episode, questions, concerns, comments, please send it to figurativelyfeasting at gmail.com. Uh, on Instagram, figuratively feasting is the handle at figuratively feasting. My personal uh, Instagram handles are Chef James Gop and at Heirloom Fire. Mine is Chef Simeon. Wonderful. What? Not, I was say no, something else. No, no, that, that's what it is. It's just Chef Simeon. Yeah, it's at Chef Simeon. Wow, nice. I like that. You're lucky that was not taken. I know, I was. So awesome. So get in contact with us. Give us a follow. See what we're doing. We always have interesting little projects happening. Uh, and until the next time. We you love guys, you, man. We, we love, love you guys. Stay strong. Stay yeah. up. Yeah, and be good to yourself. Yeah. Be good. You know, you take the time you need. Okay? You're a wonderful, wonderful individual. And, uh, Life is worth living. There are some beautiful days and uh, many more to come. This is just a very odd time. So take care of yourself. I love we'll, that, man. We'll see you soon. Yeah.
Bye.